Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlock. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. It's just us today, brother. Yeah. It has been a little bit since the third chair was either physically or virtually empty, Uh, but that is the case today. But I'm excited for our conversation on the importance of delegation in ministry. We know that ministry can be both difficult and demanding at times, which is why delegation is important Mm -hmm. for pastors and church leaders. In fact, it's something that's necessary in many vocations, not just ministry. Uh, But let's go ahead and get the conversation started, brother. I just want to first ask, what makes delegation in ministry vital, not only in terms of the pastor's health, but for the church's health as well? How does... uh, delegation contribute to longevity in ministry? Yeah, well, there's the old adage, uh, teamwork makes the dream work. And uh, and I think that that's really the same thing when it comes to ministry. It's certainly the case when it comes to ministry. You you think about a car, uh, you know, or let's say a, a pickup truck, it has a certain amount of towing capacity. And so you, you, you know, put in the hitch and everything and you, you know, get, uh, get your little trailer or whatever connected to the truck. And and it's great, you know. It, it's it's going. It's it's able to to carry the load. It's able to go, you know, quite a distance with it. But if you ever go beyond that max capacity, uh, the, you're going to notice some problems with the truck. It's it, you know, the, it's not it's not working like it used to. It's not driving as smoothly as it used to. Perhaps you're you're burning through gas, you know, in the, uh, in the process as well, and everything. And you're going to start having problems because it wasn't made to carry a load beyond its maximum capacity. Right. It's the same thing with pastors. And certainly with ministry, you are, you know, to bear a burden in pastoring. You you do have responsibilities. Right, you're not you're not saying ministry should be easy. Exactly. And it certainly shouldn't be pastor give uh, your people or your staff everything and you go hit the <laughs> hit the uh, hit the holes at the the golf course or anything <laughs> like that. No, that's not that's not the case. Uh, you do have responsibilities. There are things that you're supposed to uh, that you're supposed to care for and, and, and things that you're supposed to accomplish. Um, but there certainly are limits. There there is max capacity. And if you uh, decide in ministry that you're not going to ask for help, you're not going to uh, uh, going to delegate and 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 give some of these tasks and responsibilities to other people, uh, you're going to hurt yourself in the long run. Uh, I know of pastors, um, either personally or hearing their testimonies, uh, that have talked about where they hit a wall. Uh, they they reached a point in ministry where they literally could not take another step. Mm. And whether that meant uh, going to the doctor and getting medication, uh, whether that meant that they had to cut tasks off of their calendar, uh, whether that meant that they needed to take an extended sabbatical or, or, or something along those lines, they hit a wall. And, and it wasn't just a, a thing where, where their, uh, their work 
uh, suffered in the process, but their very bodies suffered right. in the process as well. And so, yeah, there you have a certain amount of towing capacity as a pastor, uh, but it's very wise for you to uh, to stay within those limits and not go beyond uh, what you are what you are physically and humanly capable of. Yeah, of don't be the driver that's just like you know what I'm going to do it anyway. I know yeah. I can't, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a certain acknowledgement that. Uh, when you are delegating tasks, you're you're acknowledging, I'm human, mm-hmm. or as you like to say so often, I'm a creature. Yeah, I'm a creature yeah. of limitation, mm-hmm. uh, because you do have limitations. Uh, you do have areas that you need to hand off to others because they're more gifted at that, or mm-hmm. uh, they have more time to dedicate towards that. You know, pastors who try to do everything, the one who tries to be the one man band does not last long. They not do usually. experience things like you were, were sharing just now. They do experience burnout and mm-hmm. the lack of desire to do ministry. Yeah, And so there is a, a, a trust in the Lord and there's a trust in others that is on full display when we see delegation taking place in ministry. So we've talked a little bit about why it's necessary. I, I do want to spend some time in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So what are some examples we see in scripture of delegation? And what can we learn from these passages? Yeah, well, uh, certainly uh, the first one that comes to my mind is in the book of Exodus, uh, in Exodus 18, uh, where Moses gets a word of advice from his father-in-law, Jethro. So his father-in-law was a priest over in Midian, and he gave him some advice. He was just looking at Moses, looking at how Moses was doing things, uh, and he noticed that all of the people of Israel all of the people of Israel, when they needed uh, judgments, when they needed uh, uh, a, a particular case to be settled or a dispute to be resolved or, or whatever, they would go over to Moses. And so if you could just imagine this, Moses is essentially the Supreme Court, and, and really the way it sounds, he's the only court <laughs> for the yeah. entire people of Israel. Uh, it's not like in America, it's not a court of nine judges or anything like that. It was a court of one judge that listened to the cases for all of the people. I mean, this is this is madness. And so uh, Jethro, his father-in-law, comes over and he praises the Lord for what is going on there, uh, praises the Lord for his great works, uh, you know, for the people of Israel. But then he, he kind of sets um, Moses aside and he says, okay, look, um, let's let's just talk man to man here. Um, and he says, uh, let me see, it's in uh, verse 14, uh, it says, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why, why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Mm. And Moses said to his father-in-law, well, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When, when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' <laughs> Moses' father-in-law says to him, what you are doing is not good. Uh, I, I can just picture this interaction happening right now where he's just like, dude, this this is bad. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, what what are you doing? He says, you and your people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. That's a good, that's a good verse. Yeah. Listen to that. So he says, now obey my voice. I will give you advice and be and God be with you. 
You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Notice there, he's, he's establishing levels here. All right, so in the group of ten, you know, we've got someone there. In the group of fifties, in the group of hundreds, in the group of thousands, and then you get to Moses. He says, let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you. In other words, if it's too much for them to decide on all of those different levels, then they come to you. But any small matter, they shall decide themselves. So it'll be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. Hmm. What a father-in-law. Yeah, that is such wisdom. And Moses listens, and, and they establish this, uh, this, this kind of uh, uh, system here that is, is so much uh, better on Moses, but it's, it's also better for the people. They're able to get their cases heard probably even quicker uh, instead of having to stand in line and wait for the entire nation. <laughs> You're just like, oh, man, I got number 2,740. Exactly, exactly. God forbid you know, that the person lasts in line, See, you know, uh, dies like, before his case is even heard. I feel like the DMV can take lessons from this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you have things like that. Uh, if you read uh, the story of Jehoshaphat in uh, in Second Chronicles, uh, you have something very simple, uh, uh, similar uh, to that in Second Chronicles 19, um, where Jehoshaphat is, assembling, is, is appointing essentially the same kind of system uh, there for the people of Judah. It uh, seems like their justice system was kind of kind of messed up and and broken to pieces and all of that, and so that was a part of his reforms was to uh, bring a, a a bit of a of delegation there um, for the people of Judah under his rule. Um, also, you think New Testament. We have the example of our Lord himself. Mm. Uh, if you do recall, Jesus did not do all of the ministry, uh, but Jesus many times sent the 12 out, sent the 70 out, and, and so forth to accomplish the ministry. Even the um, early church. Yeah, yeah, even there with the early church as well. And then, of course, you have in Ephesians 4 where Paul says that's your job <laughs> as pastors, you know, that God gave, among other uh, wonderful uh, qualified folks, he, he gave shepherds and teachers there to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And, and, and notice in there that the goal is, by the time you get to verse 16, that the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It right. builds itself up. So your, your job, your role as shepherd is to equip the saints to the point that the saints are doing the work of the ministry and everyone is building everyone else up yeah. uh, in the body of Christ in and in, in the love of Christ. I mean, delegation's how we got deacons, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's a, a great example as well in Acts, uh, Acts 6 
you have the apostles who are, uh, you know, they, they've um, got a task that has come up. You have some of the Hellenistic widows that are uh, sensing a bit of discrimination there. Uh, they're not receiving uh, the things that they need from, I guess you could say, the food pantry uh, there, whatever the, the mercy ministry was uh, there in the early church. Uh, and, and it makes sense, you know, that those who were uh, Hebrew-speaking or Aramaic-speaking were probably in the front of the line because it was easier to understand what they needed uh, as the folks that were leading the ministry um, more than likely were Hebrew or Aramaic-speaking Jews. Uh, so when you got to the Greek-speaking Jews, they were just kind of pushing them to the back of the line, but by pushing them to the back of the line, they're getting the scraps. Mm-hmm. And after a few weeks of doing this, they finally speak up and say, hey, what's up with this? You know, why are we not, you know, why aren't we being treated differently than, than the others? And the apostles, recognizing their responsibilities, they said, well, we need to focus on the word of God and prayer. So let's select seven men uh, full of the Holy Spirit, of good repute, and so on, and uh, let's have them focus on this particular role, this particular task, while we can focus on the word of God and prayer. Delegation. So the Lord uh, worked among them, and uh, he raised up uh, the seven, among them Stephen, uh, who was, uh, of course, martyred in Acts 7, uh, Philip, who is mentioned in Acts 8, uh, and so forth. And so you see even there that uh, uh, this, this pattern of delegation, the apostles easily could have said, all right, fine. We'll we'll take this, you know, on and everything. We'll just, you know, set the word of God and prayer aside for a bit so that we can focus on this because we really want to make this uh make this work well and and function properly. But instead of doing that, they said, "You know what? We want this to work well and we want our tasks to work well also. So let's uh let's raise up some folks that are able to focus on that so that we can focus on this too. So yeah, you you see the pattern throughout the scriptures. And really, if you want to uh, go even further in terms of um, uh, in terms of a theological pattern, think about our Lord himself. Genesis 1, uh, the Lord says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them rule. Well, God's the king over heaven and earth. Why does he need anybody to rule? Well, the truth of the matter is he doesn't need anybody to rule. Right. This is the pattern that he's establishing. So he establishes humans as the ones through whom he's going to rule over all of the earth. But he uses them and their, you know, uh, as as humans, he uses them to rule over uh, the earth and use the resources for their good and for his glory. Uh, so even baked into creation, you see this pattern of delegation. Our God is a mm. delegating God uh, who loves in his grace to use people like us uh, to accomplish his purposes on earth. So yeah, that pattern is in Genesis, and it just it works its way all the way through uh, the pages of the canon. That's a good point, that it's right from the beginning we see it. Who are some people pastors sh- should consider delegating tasks to, and what are some characteristics pastors should look for in those they are delegating to, uh, whether it be other pastors, staff, volunteers, maybe even members of the church? Yeah. Well, the the simple answer, and, and obviously it's the one that uh, I think we, we think of the first, is whoever's willing. Um, so, <laughs> you know, let's start there. Are there any people who actually want to do stuff? Uh, those are typically the ones that you that you recognize first. Uh, the willingness obviously should be there. Uh, for starters, 
it's hard enough to get people to to get things done in the church. Uh, in some churches and even with some tasks, it feels like pulling teeth. Yeah, for uh, a lot of different reasons. For too. a lot of different reasons, people are busy. Uh, There's you know, confident lack of confidence in themselves. Exactly, exactly. And so, uh, you know, so start there. Uh, first off, who who are the ones that are willing? But but also, you have to ask questions about uh, about their lives. You know, are they people? Uh, that can be trusted. Um, You know, I I, I go back to 1 Timothy 1 a lot uh, because I just love the way that Paul gives his testimony. And he talks about his his own ministry, and he says that he thanks the one who, uh, who, who, who gave him strength, Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he says, because he judged me faithful, Hmm. appointing me to his service. Now, you know, he goes on to say, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. And the point in there that he's making is that he received mercy. So that that testimony of faithfulness, that judgment of faithfulness, is it was mercy from Christ. It was mercy from the Lord on him. And so we, we're not looking for perfection by any stretch of the imagination. We're not looking for perfection. Um, certainly, if we're looking for perfection, we're, we're not all qualified. Disqualified. Exactly, <laughs> right. exactly. Uh, but the question is, is this somebody that can be trusted yeah. with this task? Which, with the text that you read from Exodus 18, and then even looking at the qualifications for deacons, is mm-hmm. very clear. Mm-hmm. There's always sort of these expectations. Perfection, no. But of good character and wisdom, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my favorite sections in the Proverbs, and this is good wisdom, is in Proverbs 26. Uh, And in Proverbs 26, you have in in this first section, about the first 12 verses, uh, you have this string of Proverbs. Uh, dealing with fools, and and it says in there, uh, it says, um, you know, uh, in in verse six, whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Uh, mm. I've never seen that on a coffee mug. Um, you also have uh, in there, you, you know, um, like one who binds the stone in the sling is one who gives honor to a fool. Uh, like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or a drunkard and, and so on. The idea, obviously, is think twice about appointing a fool you know, to, uh, to a specific task. Um, you're going to regret it. And so the question is, is this person reliable? Is this person trustworthy? Is this person going to, uh, going to act wisely? Is this person going to be a good uh, reflection of our ministry? Um, or is this going to be somebody that we're probably going to regret? Now, uh, there may be some tasks where you can train somebody right. and develop their character in the process, and there's certainly a place for that. Uh, but you want to make sure that, uh, that, that you are looking for people uh, who are walking in wisdom. They may be on the first, you know, the, the first step of the road to wisdom. They may be further along. Um, but, but, do, but look for those who are actually going to, uh, as, as it says in Acts 6, are going to be people of good repute. Yeah. Yeah, I think the I think that's a good point, brother. Because what we don't want to do is just look at the competency of the person, because those are things that they can be taught, uh, mm-hmm. and it takes some investment in that. But once you do that, the the health of the church and your health are in a better place. And so, mm-hmm. you know, delegation is one of those things where yes, it is something that helps the pastor's health, the church's health, but also it is an opportunity to equip and and, and mentor and help others grow. Yeah. Uh, in leadership. And so, but again, the character is a big part too, because the whole point of delegation is to help the pastor and the church and the health. 
not to make it more difficult. And so right. if you get some people that are causing more issues, uh, that's not going to help in right. the in the long term. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've seen those prescription commercials where they're like, here's the prescription and here's all the things it's going to do for you. At the very end, it's like, also, it may do this, 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 and this. Yeah. So we've, we've definitely talked about delegation in the positive sense. What are some dangers of, dele- of delegation that pastors should just be aware of when they're delegating tasks? Yeah. I'll split it up. So first, uh, dangers in terms of the task itself, and then maybe dangers in terms of the uh, the people involved. So okay. you as the pastor or, or the people that you're, uh, that you're delegating to. Uh, so first off, in terms of the task, it may not go the way you plan it to. You know, when you delegate it, when you uh, when you give a task to somebody else and you say, hey, won't you do this? You know, they're not you. And because they're not you, they're going to they're going to do it in a way that probably isn't the way that you envisioned it. That's a good point. Um, now, you can be the type A kind of micromanager and 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 say, well, you know, I wanted it done this way. So do it this way. And you, you're you're just looking for a carbon copy of yourself. Uh, but that's probably not the way to do ministry. Um, and that's certainly not the way uh, to lead. Um, rather, there should be the space and the and the freedom to say, okay, you know, that's not exactly the way that I thought, but, you know, you did a good job with this. Um, of course, provided that they actually did a good job with it. Uh, you know, but incur- it gives you the opportunity of encouraging them and so on. But it can be a danger if you're a, a bit of a control freak. Uh, that it may not go exactly the way that you thought it would go, and may not look exactly the way that you that you were expecting it to look. Uh, that may not be a problem. Uh, it may be kind of the next part. It may be a problem with you. Uh, that you know we um, part of the reason that we struggle with delegating. Very honestly, is we think that we can do it better than everybody else, and that's a part that I think we got to be very careful with. Um, you aren't God's, you know, answer, right. <laughs> you know, to the, to the church or anything like that. There are better ways to do things. There are other ways to do things. The spirit has actually gifted other people, uh, besides you. And so you want to, uh, make sure that, that you are not, uh, you know, inflating your ego, if you will. Uh, but rather that in humility, you can be able to say, hey, you know, why don't you try this? And let's just see what, what happens. Let's just yeah. see what God does, you know, as you use your gifts uh, for the good of the body and for the for the building up of, of, of the church. So, um, so yeah, it could be a danger, um, you know, that, that in doing so, it may expose a little bit more of your pride. Um, it may expose a little bit more of your... Um, uh, of some character flaws and so on that need to be worked on. Maybe you need to work on patience. Maybe you need to work on on humility, you know, and things like that. In terms of the other person, the people that we may delegate, um, the you know, there could be the danger that, you know, they just simply don't feel like they can do it, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, maybe maybe they or, or maybe it could be another thing. Maybe it could be that they just simply don't think that this is as important as it actually is. Yeah. So it could be that they think too lowly of themselves. It could be that they think too lowly of the church and too lowly of the of the task or the, or their ministry. And so you got to work on that, too. Um, if you're noticing that uh, they may not um, think that they are, you know, uh, good enough to do this, then it may be a spot for you to encourage them. 
if they think that they are too good for this, then it may be a time for you to give some gentle wisdom and uh, and reproof there in that matter. Uh, if they have a too low of a view of the church, then maybe you need to reiterate, this is a high task yeah. and a high responsibility. It is a pleasure and yeah. an honor. You may need to take some steps back. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, in delegating, um, if I could say it this way, think of think of delegating um, and and bringing other people, you know, to the plow and, and putting more hands on the plow and so on. Think of that as as more opportunities and more uh, contexts yeah. for discipleship, yeah, that's good. Uh, both for your discipleship as a leader, uh, learning how to follow Jesus uh, as a leader, but also in uh, helping other people gain a proper view of themselves, um, a proper view of the church, and a proper view of service, and uh, and, and even using their spiritual gifts, uh, as I said before, for the building up of the body. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. that pastoral ministry is not supposed to be easy. There's supposed to be, there's supposed to be some difficult seasons. Mm-hmm. So another danger that, that delegation could, could probably cause is laziness. Mm-hmm. So at what point does delegation become laziness? Where is that line? Uh, because surely laziness can be a temptation. Leaders don't need to delegate tasks solely on the basis that they just don't want to do them mm-hmm. or that they want to play play golf like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you think about uh, the 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 role of delegating, helping other people, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, you could easily check out. You could easily say, "Good, you guys are doing all of the work, and I can just you know sit back and and you know play Fortnite or yeah, something." Yeah, I'm the you know. CEO, and exactly. I've got this thing going. Exactly, and we'll have our our regular meetings where I just check up to make sure that y'all are still doing your thing and so on, and then I can go and you know and keep you know doing doing nothing. Uh, you know, you can do that, but ultimately, your church is lacking leadership, and so it's only a matter of time before you know before the wheels come off and 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 things start to unravel because you're not doing your part as the leader. Um, you're not doing your part as the as the primary shepherd of the church. Uh, so ultimately, laziness, and we know this from the scriptures. Um, I, I mentioned Proverbs twenty-six. Oddly enough, right after that section, uh, the first twelve verses dealing with the fool, you have the next section, which is a few verses dealing with the sluggard. Um, and so, you, right after talking about the fool, it talks about the lazy bum, and uh, and you you read about that guy, and and you just go, my goodness, you know, he can't do anything right. And and why? Because he doesn't. He, he lacks the drive. He lacks the passion. He lacks the initiative. Uh, you know that is needed. And and ultimately in Proverbs, he lacks the wisdom and the fear of the Lord to actually do stuff, to actually work. So, you, you know, you, just because other people are doing tasks doesn't mean that you are doing less. It's what's happening is the the work is being spread out and expanded. So that more can actually be done. Right. Now your task is uh, to make sure, and and you know there are certain things that you've got to do as a pastor, um, visitation. Uh, yeah, I you think know. that's why the 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 Acts example is such a good one. It wasn't mm-hmm. the apostles weren't saying here y'all do these things so that we can do nothing. So that we can do nothing. Right, it's right. Because we have been given a primary task, and we need to devote our time to that primary task. Exactly. Exactly. So you know things like visitation, things like spending your time in prayer and intercession, uh, your the the ministry of the word, both in terms of preaching. 
in terms of counseling, uh, you know, the, just the whole ministry of the word that you have, uh, you know, that never ends. And yeah. honestly, if you have been gifted by God to shepherd the flock, you never want it to end. Yeah. So um, real quick, right while we're yeah. right here, are mm-hmm. those tasks you just listed some things that should never be delegated, uh, at least to anybody? So there may be, maybe you delegate those tasks to other pastors on staff, but there, there's got to be some tasks that just are never delegated because mm-hmm. they are primary to you being the pastor or the leader of the church. Yeah, I would say they should never be delegated to zero uh, to the point that you, are, you aren't doing anything. So in, say, for instance, the ministry of the word. Uh, certainly there are folks in your church that may be more qualified to, say, counsel um, think about Ephesians four. There are some folks that that just they're they're gifted to go and evangelize, and they're doing outreach all the time. And you may not have that capacity to do outreach like that all the time, but that doesn't mean you don't evangelize. Uh, there are folks who are more qualified to counsel. That doesn't mean that you don't counsel. Uh, what it means though is that hey, these folks are gifted in doing that. Let's let's you know unleash them. Let's go. You yeah. know and and. And uh, and use the gifts that the Spirit has given to you, um, but that's still your you know a part of your ministry as yeah. the pastor. You should still be doing that. Um, you know there are folks who so it's more of a co-laboring, less of a delegation. That's and a good with way of saying tasks. it. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a co-laboring. Um, you're you're bringing folks alongside so that they can do that uh, that work with you. Now, um, you may do it differently. Like let's say in terms of preaching. Uh, you may have a rotation of preaching. I think that's healthy to yeah, have. That's a, something y'all do, yeah, as well. At your absolutely, church. absolutely. And I and I know that uh, over at your your folks over at Open Door, Pastor Dwayne and and company over there do the same thing. Uh, there may be somebody who takes the lion's share of it, and I think that should probably be your your lead pastor. Um, but there are other folks that that are certainly qualified uh, to preach, and and you know they've got the gifts and and so on. Give them the opportunity to preach. But it should never be that in 52 Sundays you don't preach a single one. Um, and, and again, going back to what I said before, if you've been gifted in this way, why would you want that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I find it hard to believe that you would even want to be that yeah, person. It's bad stewardships of the gift that you've been entrusted with. Exactly. So God forbid that we, uh, that we equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, but— we don't actually equip ourselves or, or or we're not equipped you know to do the work of the ministry uh personally you know so we're delegating every and and and, and encouraging everybody else to do ultimately what yeah. we aren't willing if to do you ourselves start taking pieces of a car apart eventually it's not going to look like a car right 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 and that's and that's exactly the thing so uh ultimately we want the body of Christ to work and you are a part of the body. And so even if you aren't doing those particular tasks, at least 100% of the work that you're delegating, doesn't mean that you now are, you know, uh, if I could say it this way, you've been uh, amputated from the body so that now, you know, almost like an appendix, you're just kind of there, you know, or wisdom tooth, you know, you're just kind of there, but you're not actually, you know, functioning uh, in the body at all. No, no. Uh, the, the goal is that you want the body to become healthier. And you, as a part of the body, should be modeling that by the way that you are serving the body, too. Don't be a gallbladder. There we go. There we go. (laughs) So what would you say to pastors listening right now who feel like there are things that need to be delegated, but 
either they don't have anyone on staff, like they're mm-hmm. they're too small of a church right now, and it's just the the pastor himself, mm-hmm. or they don't feel like there's anybody currently on staff that can carry out those tasks. What would what would you say to them to be kind of some first steps? Yeah. I would say, and and this is not an easy task, and it certainly is not an immediate task, but you as the pastor, you have the responsibility to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That means if the Lord has placed a church there, and if the Lord has placed you to be the shepherd of that church, then there are people there that should be doing the work of the ministry. Hmm, Now, that's going to take time. You know, uh, the the time of discipleship, the time for development and and so on, uh, that's going to take time. And it's probably not going to look like, you know, the the showcase church down the street or or anything like that. It doesn't need to look like that. What does this church need to be so that the church functions the way that the Lord commanded the church to function? That's what you should be focused on. So, uh, you know, let's say that you're a pastor of an older church. And you've got older members, and let's say half of them are in the nursing home or something like that, then how do we do the work of the ministry? Well, how can I equip the saints to do regular visitation uh, at the nursing home? And maybe you know, consider the nursing home as your mission field or you know, consider that as an outreach you know, where you could go and you seek to encourage the folks there. You seek to bless them with the, with the gospel uh, and so forth. Hey, that's an opportunity that you have. You know? and, and that may be the max capacity of your elderly church. That's fine uh, as long as you are developing them and, and encouraging them and equipping them to do the work of the ministry. Uh, you may be in a neighborhood where there are all these folks that are coming in, moving into the neighborhood. You've got a bustling uh, community. The job market is really great and so forth. Hey, we've got an opportunity to reach out to these families, uh, you know, and we can and we can do that. So what can we do as a church? How can we dream? How can we kind of imagine, you know, uh, uh, outreach and, and, and ministry to, you know, the, the new community that uh, communities that are uh, that are moving into uh, into the area? You know, things like that. So you, it, it varies. It really does from church to church, you know, group to group and so forth. But you just kind of think, okay, we've got these opportunities here. We've got these, uh, these possible uh, responsibilities that we have. What can we do to, you know, to equip, you know, different yeah. people to do that? Um, even in terms of like your regular tasks, like visitation, things like that. Hey, why don't you bring uh, somebody over? You know uh, that that can ride with you over to the hospital, over to the nursing home, or so on, and just do that on a regular basis. They learn from you what it's like, you know, mm-hmm. to do visitation, what it's like to uh, to to sit with somebody, what it's like to pray over someone uh, and to care for them and love for, love love on them well, and, and and so forth. And maybe there's a time where you say, you know, I can't uh, go to this person's uh, house, or I can't go to this hospital room right now. I'm over at the other hospital on the other side of the city uh, or something like that. Hey, could you go over there? And you trust that that person knows what they're yeah. doing because you've taken the time to do that. So in other words, if there are people in your church, then there are opportunities that, that you yeah. have there to, uh, to develop them, to disciple them, so that ultimately they can be in a place where you can delegate it to them. Yeah. Every part of the body has a role. Mm-hmm. And you don't want the body to have any parts of it that are paralyzed or, you know, experiencing paralysis. So, like, everybody is instructed to serve in some mm-hmm. capacity. And the reality is, is there are a lot of churches where there are guys who have aspirations for ministry. 
And you as the pastor have an opportunity to delegate some of these smaller tasks and build up towards some of the medium tasks Mm -hmm. to, again, help take some of the burden off of you and help use that as a way to equip them. And so definitely delegation is, is, is important. Are there any resources you'd recommend on the importance of delegation in ministry or even other uh, helpful tips? We've done a, a past episode on time management. I mean, obviously, time management and delegation come face-to-face yeah. You know, when we discuss uh, one or both of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, uh, time management is definitely important. Uh, you know, you think about the fact that all of us have the same amount of hours in a day. You know, we all have 24 hours. And you just go, okay, you know, am I getting to a point where I have so many responsibilities that I'm just simply not able to do everything that I need to do? Um, and that's and that's real. You know, you, you start looking and you say, man, you know, I, I keep pushing this back because there are other tasks that I got to get done and, and I, I just I can't get to this. Well, maybe that's a prime candidate for something that, uh, that you can pass on to someone else where they may have the time and the capacity to do it, and you just simply can't do it. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I think time management is, is very, very essential when it comes to thinking through delegation and, and so on. I'd say also uh, think through uh, um, your people and, and listen to them. Think about, again, Moses. You know, what would have happened if he just completely brushed off what Jethro said? I oh, don't know what you're saying. Exactly. I got this. Exactly. Or what would have happened if if the apostles just brushed off, you know, what the widows were saying? Um, in other words, you listen to the people. That's good, brother. And, and it may be that. Uh, that the people themselves are the ones who are who are actually saying, "Hey, look, you know, you've got some folks here who are willing to delegate. You know, they're they're willing to take up the task. They they don't want to sit sit around twiddling their thumbs. They they actually want to be a part of the work of the ministry. And even if you don't ex- know that this is happening to you, they see that it's happening yeah. to you. That you actually really really need to delegate these mm-hmm. tasks. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So wisdom, I think, would say, listen to them." You have uh, people there who are resources, willing and able, you know, to say, we want to be a part of this. We want to work. We want to help. How can we help? Yeah. You know, how can we be a part of of what uh, God is doing in the church and so on? Listen to them. Take it, you know, take it, uh, advantage of, of, of what they're, uh, of, of the opportunity where they're saying, hey, we want to help. All right. then let them help yeah. and uh, let them be a part of what God is doing there. Other than the the passages of scripture that we that we went over, just some mm-hmm. a couple of resources that I was thinking through that would yeah. be good for guys to look at. So one is the Pastor's Book: A Comprehensive and Practical Guide Fabulous to Pastoral book. Ministry by Kent Hughes and uh, Sean Douglas. Another mm-hmm. one is on being a pastor by Derek Prime and Alistair Begg. They actually have a really helpful chapter dedicated 100% to delegation. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the final resource is the new guidebook for pastors by Mac Brunson and James Bryant. All are really good. They cover a host of different uh, topics uh, that relate to pastoral ministry. So it wouldn't even just be good for this, but for other things as well. Yeah. And I would also say, you know, there are several books, uh, leadership books, um, that uh, that that talk about delegating and talk about you know um, um, you know passing tasks on to other people, enabling other folks and empowering them 
uh, in their work, yeah. you know, to uh, uh, to do really really good jobs with what they do and 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 so on as well. So yeah, yeah, you find this in a in a slew of um, yeah. of of leadership books as well. Any final words of encouragement for pastors or church leaders listening this week? Yeah. Uh, kind of go back to what I had said about the pickup truck. You know, you you think about your your ministry. Uh, know know yourself well. Uh, know your capacity. Know what you're able to carry. Uh, know what you're not able to carry. And then also know your church. Uh, know the people who are there. Know uh, not just who they are, but know who they could be. And 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 seek to find opportunities to uh, to use the the folks in your church to equip them to train them up to disciple them uh, so that they see the ministry of the local church as a primary uh, or as a priority uh, in their lives and they would want to be a part of of what that is and once you once that is happening once you're seeing that as a pastor learn how to get out of the way <laughs> you know and and let them go you know let them yeah. serve and let them care for uh for the body uh because there's no greater joy than we have than as John would say to see our people walking in the truth that's good, brother. Well, that'll do it. We want to thank you again for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If you found today's episode helpful, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback you'd be willing to give us. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with our conversation. And as always, brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.